Crying out loud, you're missing important plot points. This is episode 18 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And this week, we watched Anger Management. I thought about doing it like angrily, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't. I could have done the weird happy voice I was doing before recording, but I think oh, everyone God, would no. shut off the recording. Oh, 100%. I would. Yeah. I, I, I definitely would. I almost hit myself. <laughs> this is a podcast where we are watching all 60 Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies every day for 60 days in a row. Uh, and I need anger management now. Yeah. This, a- after uh, this one. This movie made me angry uh, in several points. I I don't want to fall into the stereotype of someone talking about Adam Sandler movies. I feel like the last couple have been like just like bad. They've been bad. Yeah. The, the one and it's so funny because the one that I find a little bit redeeming is the hot chick, <laughs> which never in a million years would I have guessed would be the one. This movie I found tolerable. Yeah. But I remember liking it a lot when I was a kid. I think it's slightly worse than uh, Deuce Bigelow. I will say, though, if if we go to the past five mm-hmm. films, that was Mr. Deej, which was good. Mm-hmm. Master of Sky is terrible. Eight Crazy Nights, terrible. Hot Chick, pretty good. And then it's this one, which is neutral. I'd give it a neutral minus, though. I would not recommend this movie. I mean, for Eight Crazy Nights, at least I... It was a movie. Yeah. Um, and this movie was a movie. Almost. I, I actually, I, I disagree slightly with that, but we'll get into it later. Yeah. First off, this is a two-star Sandler movie. It stars Adam Sandler. It was produced by Happy Madison. And it, uh, man, it made a lot of money, huh? Yeah. It did. I have some stuff I want to talk about with that later, yeah. but why don't you say what the box office was? Box office was uh, just under $200 million, um, on a budget of estimated $75 million, which I'm assuming mostly was the fact that Jack Nicholson probably gets paid a ton, right? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. a crazy uh, Plus, they, you know, they they had some, well, I guess their set pieces weren't. Oh, they had to, I mean, they filmed something at Yankee Stadium with a crowd. That's millions yes. of dollars right there. Yeah, some of that had to go to Rudy Giuliani's re-election campaign. $2,100. So. <laughs> but that was actually to his presidential campaign. And I'm going to get into Aww. that later. But don't worry, it was 2007. Um, he, didn't, he didn't get it. It Ugh. doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Don't support people like that. But, again, that's more stuff we're going to have to get into later. Because there's a lot. Yeah, it's actually like related the, to the movie. Yeah, in a big way. Surprisingly enough, yeah. So, this movie, I laughed 22 times. Not surprising. It seemed like a 22 laugher. Yeah, that's that's nothing great. That's n- Again, I think I should like let people vote on a movie for me to watch that's like a consistently funny movie and let everyone know how much I laugh to get like a nice baseline. <laughs> like a per- yeah, your baseline level. A laugh per minute thing cuz this was a slightly longer movie. It was 106 minutes long. So 22 laughs for that. Not great. A good movie, that's 2 laughs per minute. A great movie slightly higher than that. Three laughs per minute's about average. This was giving me... Sorry, I did that backwards. <laughs> a laugh every two minutes, laugh every three minutes, laugh every four minutes. This is a laugh every four minutes. Not great. It's actually slightly higher than that. It's a laugh every five minutes. That's not... Not great that's for not a funny. comedy. No. If you know me, personally, I definitely laugh more than once every five minutes in like... <laughs> like Just in regular life? If yeah. I'm talking to people. You know, if I'm actively engaged in something, that could be funny. Or even not funny half the time, but whatever. You know, also a thing I think that happens sometimes with these movies 
like I noticed this because we watched the next movie before we recorded this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would laugh and then you would laugh at something that I don't think that you actually found funny. But I think having because I laughed at it, having someone there laughing at it primes you to be to laugh more. Oh, yeah. Like if Without we if we watch these movies alone, we probably both would be laughing less. Yeah. I mean, it's the it's the thing where, like, I think it's kind of funny watching uh, the I think you should leave now, I think is one of the funniest things that came out in the past year. And I'll think of it and be like, yeah, that's pretty funny. But like when a few of us are together and that comes on, I, I'm crying. I can. No, because it, it's it, so it, it funny. It kills me. So I think that's that's very true. Especially when everyone is yelling at the TV with the same line that they're saying. <laughs> I, that is the only. <laughs> you had too small a slice. <laughs> now my stomach's fucked. That's that's actually the only skit show that is quotable to me without losing any of its funniness, which means someone out there hates me for quoting it so often. Oh, yeah. You are the stepbrothers quoter to somebody else right now oh, with that show. God, I gotta go take a shower after this one. Stepbrothers Step <laughs> is a fine movie, but my God, I don't need to hear more people say, did we just become best friends? I hate that. Well, I hate that so much. So uh, tell me about the micro penises, huh? Because I got that well, one right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, actually... You said you said two things that were right. You started by saying, "Wasn't there something that we watched recently where there's a it involves an ice cream truck and a young Jewish boy and a micro penis?" And I said that that was Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is like nearly a Curb Your Enthusiasm plot, not quite. Yeah, close enough. But no, I mean it, it had a lot of it hit a lot of those elements right in mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie. I actually remember that opening scene very well from when I watched it. I'm assuming in the theaters when I was a kid. See, I think I saw it on VHS, meaning I was probably like uh, 11 or 12. And mm. I think I probably stopped watching after that scene because I was 11 or 12 and my parents were watching it. I, I don't want to watch a penis movie with my parents. <laughs> this movie was a, a lot about penis, actually. Do you tell me about the critic reception? I'm going to take a guess here. I'm going to say critic, critics were feeling pretty good uh, just about movies in general mm-hmm. during these days. I think that they like Jack Nicholson too much, mm-hmm. too. And I'm going to say that they give this like in the 60s at least. All right. And what do you think about audiences? Audience score. I think that they went hog wild for it. I think they gave it an 80. Per- well, I guess it's probably evened out over time, but I'm still going to go with my 80%. Wrong both counts. 42% critics, 60% audience. That's because it's polluted with data from today. If we were going straight up 2003, this would be the best movie of the year. Except for Matrix Reloaded, I guess. But people didn't really like that, did yeah. they? And they're wrong about that, but for reasons that most people don't understand. I think that this movie failed pretty hard on everything it was trying to do, honestly. So I think 40 is about a good spot. That's where I'd put it. That's a 4 out of 10. Yeah. I will say, again, that's that's not really how Rotten Tomatoes works. It's 42% of critics said they would recommend this movie. That's a slight difference. But who cares? Yeah. We're not math nerds here well i kind of am sometimes but i I only use rotten tomatoes because i know adam sandler cares about it that's so does he yeah he his uh 2019 stand-up bit was called 100 percent fresh oh i haven't seen that so i don't know actually very good pretty funny but the name means he cares or is making fun of the fact that he doesn't have quote-unquote fresh movies which i mean yeah you have to tell me, I I don't care at all about what people on the internet say about things I like. 
So if I created ones that a lot of people talked about, I certainly wouldn't care about that. <laughs> but anyway, let's recap because I want to I want to say why this movie sucks. <laughs> I actually I have a lot to say about this movie, too. Yeah. OK. It starts with a flashback to 1978 and Adam Sandler's character, David. I forget his last name. Busnick. David Busnick. That's right. I knew it was like a funny name. David Busnick. Uh, he's a kid, and he has dared to kiss a girl in front of everyone on a crowded street. By the girl. The girl wanted to kiss him. By the girl. Dared by the girl, yes. But the bully Arnie Shankman pantses him, and everyone laughs at his small penis. Mm -hmm. Including a grandma. Got him. Today, David Busnick works at a company that's making a clothing line for husky cats. This is where most of my laughs got were from Meatball Cat. That is, same. That cat wearing a sweatshirt is fucking funny every time it's so good david's boss is an asshole Mm -hmm. who like takes all the credit for his work and stuff but he works for him because he's due to get a promotion he's gonna he hopes that he's gonna become like executive creative director or whatever for a clothing cat line (laughs) Uh, his other main problem is that andrew his girlfriend's best friend played by alan covert who has a huge penis i was gonna get there (laughs) His girlfriend's best friend is definitely hitting on her, and he has a very big penis. It's uh, not subtly hitting on her. He's We are introduced to him saying, like, why don't you give me another chance? Some stuff like that. Yeah, he's that guy. Yeah. We've all known of that guy. And I'm, I'm going to get there, too. <laughs> anyway. So David gets on a plane to go on a business trip after only giving his girlfriend, Linda, played by Marissa Tomei, a peck on the cheek because he doesn't like PDA. But someone takes his seat, and he ends up sitting next to Jack Nicholson, who is being kind of a nuisance on the plane to him, like, kind of, I mean, a lot, actually, like, really provoking him Hmm. in different ways. And when the flight attendant doesn't get his headphones quick enough to David, and David asks again, she accuses him of raising his voice, and the flight marshal comes over and tases him. Uh, David is sentenced to take anger management classes uh, for 30 days. The flight attendant shows up in court wearing a cast on her arm or like her arm in a sling, even though he only touched her. Yeah. Anyway, uh, turns out the teacher for the anger management class is Dr. Buddy Rydell, Jack Nicholson's character. Uh, David doesn't believe that he has an anger problem, but Rydell says that he has implosive anger and recommends that he go actually twice as long to anger management. He assigns David an anger accountability partner, Chuck, played by John Turturro. Um, David and Chuck end up going out to a bar, and Chuck, who is a former soldier who definitely has PTSD, mm-hmm. starts a fight, and David accidentally elbows a cocktail wait- waitress and breaks her nose. So he's go- back back in court, and when he's going to be sentenced to a year in jail for assault, Rydell steps in and convinces the judge to let him do an intensive treatment, and this intensive treatment involves Rydell basically moving in with da- David and sharing a bed with him and essentially wiretapping his house. Well, yeah, no. Does wiretap his house. He says. Yeah. He says. Rydell basically pushes all of David's buttons, makes him late for work, flirts with his girlfriend. He even makes David stop his car on a busy bridge and sing I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. David, obviously, for good reasons, wants him out of the place. And when Buddy's sec- Dr. Rydell, Dr. B's secretary calls to say that uh, Dr. Rydell's mom is in the hospital for minor surgery... David pretends that it's a big deal and and only tells the truth when Buddy starts crying. And Buddy says he's going to get him back for that one. So on their way to Boston together, which is kind of a punishment for being a dick, 
is is how Buddy frames it. Mm-hmm. Buddy knocks a car off of the parking garage and after leaving his business card. This is after, by the way. Okay, I'm going to explain the scene because it's kind of relevant. This person has parked him in in this small parking garage. So he busts the window and loosens the parking brake and leaves his card there for anger management classes. And then he bumps the car when he's pulling out and it knocks off the parking I, brake. I do want to ask anyone who's in New York right now who has a little more experience with this than me. If that is a realistic parking lot where you could just fall off and there's that weird, weird elevator, tweet me and let me know. Because what the fuck is going on with that? That can't be real. It seems dangerous. Was that invented during the Industrial Revolution? Because that looks like a child killer. Like, it is just the most murderous machine I've ever seen. I would never go on it. Absolutely not. No. Not that I would own a car in New York City, but whatever. True. Anyway, Bunny does get revenge on David. So the setup is they're at a bar, and Buddy has David hit on a hot woman. Uh, what is that actress's name? Um, That is... That's January Jones, right? January Jones has him flirt with a um, very attractive woman at the bar with a very stupid pickup line, very misogynistic pickup line, in fact, or at least skeezy. And he abandons David at the bar and she tries to get David to sleep with her and then he has to walk back to Buddy's place in the rain. And in the meantime... Buddy has called Linda, or Linda called, and Buddy explained exactly where David was. But then Dr. Rydell says, oh, it was just a joke. That was one of my former patients, or students, or whatever he calls them, and she's an actress. And then David thinks it was all a joke. But no, it turns out he actually did tell Linda, or at least that's the the premise. But Whatever, it's all good. It's been smoothed over because the next scene, they're driving back to New York City. I, I want to point out, I mix. That's Heather Graham. I knew it wasn't that. Oh, person. Heather Graham? Uh, January Jones plays one of the porn stars, which I don't think. Yeah. I haven't talked about them, but yeah. I will later. Uh, anyway, they. Gosh, I'm not looking forward to talking about the bisexual portrayal in this movie. Yeah. They end up going to a Buddhist monastery. To confront Arnie Shankman, the bully who pantsed him. I love that the Buddhist monk is played by John C. Riley. <laughs> yeah, that, that got a laugh at me, just the fact that he was there. I just like John C. Riley in general. Mm-hmm. I love how much of a bulldog he looks, but his eyes are so sweet. That's my favorite part. <laughs> uh, and it works really well for that character, too. And they get into a fist fight, um, and Dr. Rydell pulls a gun on the monks, but it turns out to be a water gun, haha, and they they laugh and drive away. Uh, I'm probably skipping some stuff here, but I don't think it really matters. It's not essential to the plot. Most of it does not matter. No. Uh, eventually, Buddy says that he convinced Linda that she and David should take a break and see other people, and he gets Buddy to agree, too, and then, or, or sorry, he gets David to agree, too, and then... Buddy takes Linda on a date, and after the date, Buddy says to David that he kissed Linda, and then that they've fallen in love. So David attacks him, and they fight, which lands David back in court with a restraining order against uh, Dr. Adele. Then David finds out that his boss is going to give Alan Covert the job promotion that he wanted, and he punches Alan Covert and smashes the stuff in his boss's office. And we are supposed to see this as a victory for uh, David. Alan Covert doesn't even work there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he was just a friend of the boss. Yeah. Um, it was like this mm, side nepotism plot, basically. Yeah. 
he gets the boss to say that, yes, he will get the executive position when he's out of jail for basically <laughs> punching Ellen Covert in the face. David also finds out that Buddy is taking Linda to a Yankee game. Earlier, um, we had heard uh, David's plans to eventually propose to Linda once he's gotten this promotion. He's going to do it at a Yankees game. Uh, specifically just because it's extremely public, which is the opposite of what he does now. Yeah. Also, don't propose that way. It's lame. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that to anybody. It puts them in a bad position. Like proposing. Unless you've talked about it before. That, that's fine. If you're proposing to someone in a place where they can't reasonably say no without it making everyone mm-hmm. like, you know, hate them. Uh, and don't you have do not, it. again, had an explicit conversation about it beforehand. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Alex, for for doing that for me. That's not sarcasm. Thank you. I proposed in front of uh, the person Jessica respects the most. And then I just spit everywhere. Oh, and I was coming up with a bad situation. That was... I was going to say, are you saying that I respect you the most? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was secretly spitting when you didn't look. <laughs> that would been good. Nah, I just couldn't come up with an embarrassing way. I, I, I quoted Bill and Ted's ex, uh, bogus journey, so that's pretty embarrassing. Nah, it was cute. It was a good time. It was very cute. Uh, and I still have the post note where you wrote it. <laughs> it's in our little picture. Anyway, enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he thinks that Buddy is stealing his proposal idea. He interrupts the national anthem, or like right before the national anthem, to propose to Linda and say that Buddy is, quote, a psycho. And uh, Linda says yes, as long as he kisses her in front of all of these people, and he does. And turns out that this was all a trick, because this was his therapy and everything was set up with actors. Except he did beat his boss. That was not set up by actors. I'm going to point that out. Definitely. And also definitely punched Alan Covert in the face. Yeah. And anyway, and also definitely did get tasered by uh, the flight marshal. Mm-hmm. He was just having a bad Air marshal? Air marshal, I think. Yeah, whatever. Sky cop. Yeah. A sky cop. Um, David gets them back at his graduation picnic. By having the guy whose car buddy wrecked come and pretend to shoot him with a water gun. But that was also an actor. It was all just a trick. And they sing I Feel Pretty and John Turturro, because he has PTSD and thinks it was a real gun, leaps out of a tree and tackles the actor. The end. Which doesn't make sense. Because if they're all actors, why does John Turturro have PTSD? And I want to get right into it. Bring bring out your main theory, because I slept on it, and you're right. Wait, which one's my main theory? Because I have a new main theory right now. Are you talking about the Fight Club Yeah, theory? this movie was Fight Club, um, and obviously the guy who wrote this saw Fight Club and just did one of those, and then didn't have the balls to end it like Fight Club. And also didn't understand Fight Club. True. Because the theme is, is practically inverse. The theme of Fight Club is toxic masculinity. And what does it do to people? Uh, makes them bad. Whereas the theme of this movie implies that explosive anger is good. That male anger is good, actually. Well, it's that it's better. Yeah, that is better than keeping it inside. Yeah. Um, because the, the way they phrased it was like, explosive anger is you being rude at a grocery store. Implosive is you shooting up that grocery store. And I'm like, no. I'm not a psychiatrist, but like, don't think that one's true. But also... Seems like the implosive anger 
ended up happening anyway because he took a golf club to some of the items on his boss's desk and threatened his boss. Yeah. And punched a guy. That's enough to get you landed in prison, regardless of how good your anger management doctor is in with the courts. I will say, I did take it as he wasn't in anger management therapy. He was in therapy to get himself to express himself, which doesn't really make sense. That None of it makes sense. But no. there's a lot of signs that this is all in his head. A, the plot's obviously just batshit. Makes no sense. No. And two, I want to start with the West Side Story song, that I Feel Pretty. Uh-huh. Because this comes up twice. Yes. it Right after this guy moves in, which is when, in my mind, a that that's the earliest we can know for sure this film is not happening under the normal binds of like doctor patient relationships you you mm-hmm. you would never have a psychologist like psych- i don't know what he is a doctor move in with you a therapist a therapist move in with you to 24 hours sleep in your bed all this stuff taking pictures of you right as you wake up sleeping in your bed naked yeah and and this is mentioned actually in the movie that the guy has lawsuits against him and that if he records him saying some weird stuff Mm -hmm. on tape he'll basically be out of the anger management yes but the i feel pretty song you do you remember the the section of that they sang look at that girl in the mirror there what mirror there yeah the the i feel pretty pretty bright do you know what the like next uh the next stanza i don't know the term for it is in that no have you met my good friend maria the craziest girl on the block You'll know her the minute you see her. She's the one who is in an advanced state of shock. Uh, and then sh- she thinks she's in love. She thinks she's in Spain. She isn't in love. She's merely insane. And I understand that that song, the famous part, is the I feel pretty. But the next part is them calling her like crazy and stuff. And obviously no therapist would take the keys out of your car on the Brooklyn Bridge, stopping traffic and make you sing. Like, it, it's obviously... You know, uh, some guy messing with him. Or it's the fact that he's, like, having a mental breakdown. Like, even the fact that the his girlfriend falls in love with Buddy Rydell. If that's actually him in a fight club, she's just going out with him. Yeah, you could definitely read it that way. And maybe there was even a draft of this movie that was that. But I don't think the actual intention at the end was that. No, um, the ending, though, doesn't make any sense in any form. No. Which is Mm -hmm. why I'm trying so hard to figure out if there is something else in this movie. The internal logic of the film doesn't make sense. Yeah. And like I said, the the quote I took is the one of the first things you hear Jack Nicholson say is for crying out loud, you're missing important plot points. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe this is I mean, if I was a hack writer and I am, (laughs) I would base my movie that I was writing off whatever the most popular movie recently was. And if I started writing this in 2001, I'm basing it off Fight Club. Personally, I yeah. would actually base it off The Matrix, but that's too expensive. So I'm basing it off Fight Club. And based on, I mean, I don't want to be like super shitty, but I looked at the rest of this guy's writing career and he stinkers. <laughs> what else did he write? The TV show Anger Management starring Charlie Sheen that apparently had 100 episodes. I'm sorry. Yeah, didn't know that existed. It is somewhat related. I think he's a sex therapist. Apparently, apparently, middle-aged women love watching Charlie Sheen fuck. 
No, the the problem is because Charlie Sheen represents that type of toxic masculinity. Yeah. So the movie is about a therapist who has group therapy and then fucks one of the people he's working with. Unethical. Yeah. Um. And then my boss's daughter, daughter starring uh Ashton Kutcher, and then Bucky Larson, born to be a star, which I know is just supposed to be god awful. <laughs> oh no, we have to watch that yep. one. So like. <sighs> He's never written anything good. I'm willing to say that. Uh, I don't think he'll listen to this, so that's fine. We're not going to Hollywood writing. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, unless oh, they ask. our brilliant. Yeah, if, if you guys ask. And pay even like a, a tiny bit. We can do it. We're, <laughs> we're not that bad. I see. We're hacks, but like small hacks. I've, I've seen some of the stuff they're hacking together. I can steal better than this. <laughs> so anyway. I, I want to talk about. Obviously, this movie is called Anger Management. Mm-hmm. I, like, looking back, when I watched this movie first, because I know that I watched it in theaters, or at least close to it, obviously, I didn't have the life experiences that I have now. That was 17, year, 17 years ago? Uh, 18. This right? was 2002. No, 2003. Oh, yeah, 17 years ago. Yeah. Wow, okay. I feel very old all of a sudden. So I was, like, 11. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I, like, obviously never even thought about anything like masculinity and femininity and feminism and any of this the whole movie buddy rydell seems like he's just pushing david's buttons to get him to release his anger and he constantly does this by putting him in situations that are supposed to be emasculating yeah Now, these emasculating situations are always making him do feminine things, which is extremely problematic. Mm -hmm. See, you have to sing I Feel Pretty. That's... Which I want to point out, he does very well. He sings it very good. He does. He does. Well, Adam Sandler sings it in a falsetto, too. A falsetto voice is um, like your head voice. It's when, like, men and women can do this, too, but you sing in that very airy, high-pitched voice, Mm -hmm. which is also the type of voice that men put on when they're impersonating women. Usually. Yeah. They pick up Woody Harrelson's character. Now, I'm not really sure what to describe this character, and I'm going to use... I'm just going to call this person Woody Harrelson. Yeah. They are a prostitute, Mm -hmm. and it is unclear whether this person is just just a cross-dressing prostitute or is actually transgender. Very difficult to tell. Of course, they don't dig into that. Mm-hmm. They probably don't even know the difference, which is unfortunate considering the hot chick. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure, the three men in the car of that movie and the writer and probably whoever the director. Uh, yeah, Peter Siegel. I don't think you know. I don't think any of them know. No. Without a doubt. They're, no. they're not They're not a woke group. The fact that no. I think of Adam Sandler as the most woke of those people is fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hated this scene because did you catch what Jack Nicholson said to Adam Sandler after they got Galaxia is what the person's name is out of the car? No, I don't remember exactly. It was like everything. Con- he says, congratulations. Now you've learned the difference between selfish anger and righteous anger. Oh, yeah. As if it's good for him to be mad about this prostitute this i'm i'm just gonna call them a, a transgender prostitute because that's like really tr- what they're trying to portray yeah that this trans prostitute is hitting on him and emasculating him 
Well, so... And it's okay for him to be mad about that. The thing is, like, too, that the the anger is supposed to be at Jack Nicholson, but, like, it's not it's really not, represented that way. Because no. if you're forced into a situation where, like, someone, your therapist, has a prostitute come and, like, hit on you extremely hard, you should be angry about that. But you should be angry at the therapist who's obviously... And I will point out, in this scene, uh, Dave tries to record what's happening in order to get him in yes. trouble. Um, but, you know, this dude's so smart, he was able to hear the tape recorder, apparently. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Everything about it sucked. It was a really bad scene. and No, that was a very bad scene. Should never have been there. It just, it was an irredeemable scene for me. Yeah. Um, it could have been any other. It could have, they could have picked up somebody like a like a woman on the streets, for example, and then like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna go on a date with this person now. And he could have gotten angry about that, but then later, that's not the problem. When he's set up to hit on the the woman at the bar, mm-hmm. his anger. I mean, oh god, he also calls her a fatty and a porker. Okay, at the end too, when he's kicked out. So like, I understand that that was bad, but in this full scene, they have it's an actress, but. It's portrayed at the time as not an actress. Um, this woman hit on him, get down into her underwear, and come on to him after saying something about how she was um, insecure about her weight. And he he assures her, like, no, no, you're you're fine, you're great, blah, blah, blah. I just have a girlfriend. Like, I couldn't do anything like this. I'm just trying to find my friend and leave. And then she starts throwing shit at him while calling him, like, names. No, and, yeah, like that's... that's- totally valid he, and then when he's outside walking away he yells back like fatty and porker i mean it, it's not great but also like due to the circumstances there's there's some worst words you could say just the whole situation's not cool at all yeah. because it's putting him in this i mean if that if you had switched the the roles of adam sandler were a woman he would be adam sandler would be fearing for his life you know yes I mean, also the fact that the whole thing is a supposedly therapy session where he leaves a man at a bar without any way to contact him or get home mm-hmm. in a city he doesn't live in and then mm-hmm. has this person prey on him. Like, it's it's bad. Yeah. And a Red Sox fan to boot. Ugh, gross. <laughs> um, but what I was saying is, like, this this whole movie is set up where, where the therapy is Buddy Rydell pushing Adam Sandler's buttons pushing David's buttons to to emasculate him, to make him have to like show righteous anger toward like about about um his homophobia and transphobia. As if and it's supposed to be set up like like you should be mad at this. You should be mad that you're not man enough. You should be mad that you don't have a big penis. There's uh like a, a section of that where Buddy Rydell's yelling at Adam Sandler because he told Adam Sandler to get like naked. He's like, I don't want to get naked in front of you. And he starts recording it. Buddy Rydell goes, oh, what, are you homophobic? He's like, no, I just am showing you your, my penis phobic. Um, yeah. Which is like, fine. You don't have to get naked in front of people because they tell you to. That would be fucked up. Um, and instead, <laughs> it's also pretty messed up to like accuse someone of being homophobic because they don't want to get naked in front of you like there it just there's a no-win situation for someone um and then they present it like therapy like it makes sense which makes it worse like so yeah not great don't don't like it no 
And and like I said too at the end where he smashes up his boss's stuff with a golf club. I mean he smashes like one thing or whatever and, and is very threatening in in this very violent way. That's seen as the victory of this movie. One of the victories in the movie. Mm-hmm. I just it's ugh. Yeah. What real quick, there's a group therapy thing. Um and every part of it is like offensive depictions. Every part. Luis Guzman plays a gay man in a offensive gay, man. A stereotype. Yeah. Plays a gay caricature. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Lurin is fine. He just gets angry about sports. First time he's yeah, the Lachman. least offensive person on the movie, huh? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, there is bisexual porn stars who are basically just portrayed disgustingly throughout the movie. Um, and they are explicitly there to be sexy for the men yeah because they are they're a they are together like they they are a couple mm-hmm. and they bring in men to their relationship which is, which is fine and there are couples who do that there are bisexual couples who do that well i mean they're also porn stars and they're like bringing home people they work with to have sex with and they have that's yeah, then they staple his lips shut because they got angry. I don't know. It makes and, no sense. Yeah, it's it's just only portrayed though because it's sexy and and audacious. Yeah. And the fact that this is how bisexual women are treated in the media, mm-hmm. like all the time, is extremely off-putting to me as a bisexual person. And w- one of the funniest things I thought about this movie is. They have these two women who are portrayed only as objects and are used later to try to make... As objects. As objects to try to make uh, Marissa Tomei, uh, Dave's girlfriend, jealous. And I'm like, dude, you're going to try to make Marissa Tomei jealous in this movie? You fucking idiot. You got no chance. Yeah. You can't make Marissa Tomei jealous. I I mean, she'll probably get jealous of something, but I'm saying, you know, like, you have a goddamn movie star in this. It's not like people are like, oh, no. I'm so jealous of the other unbelievably attractive person. My God. Um, uh, just. There's also. The idea. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's also like an extremely bad depiction of mental illness. Um, that's gross. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to throw up a content warning on this one, actually. I, I mean, I, I don't even think we need to talk about it. I think it's just really fucking bad. Um, You're right. Let's not talk about they it. They talk about sexual assault basically um yeah it, it doesn't happen within the bounds of the movie and it is a lie in order to no. provoke something out of someone but still it's gross it doesn't work well and again the movie sets all of this stuff up as this is something that you should do yeah. you should unleash your anger you should be a man and be be manly and violent and angry and have rage and that's a good thing that's way better than keeping it inside because if you keep it inside you're gonna tap your foot and you're gonna be weak and you're not gonna get that job promotion ah and this is i think a good time to say what i think the movie is mostly about i do not sure. think this is intended by the writer I don't think most of the stuff I talk about is intended by the writer. I'm a big death of the author person. But this movie is a great... Is it indictment or indictment? Indictment. A great indictment of the industrial prison system of America. Yeah, let's talk Through about it. Through that lens, this guy makes a mistake. He, he, he tapped a stewardess on the arm and then... Flight attendant. Flight attendant. Yeah, they, they keep going back and forth in the movie and it got me rattled. 
Um, yeah, stewardess <laughs> is the is the sexist term. Yeah, oh, sorry, I'm looking at the <laughs> that person's name on the the casting, mm-hmm. and it said stewardess. Um, yeah, but he taps the arm of this woman, and then she keeps saying that you have to stop raising your voice. And he's like, I'm not raising my voice. I'm trying to stay calm. Like I think, blah blah. blah. I just want my headset. Ten minutes later, he's being arrested for this. He's getting sent to anger management. And then th- at this point, we do not see this man angry at all. We see him completely reasonable. Yeah. He, His only problem is that he doesn't like PDA because of a childhood trauma. Yeah. Which is pretty reasonable, I'd say. Um, yeah. Maybe something you want to work I, on. If that's a deal breaker for you in a relationship, maybe don't date that person yeah. in the first place. Um, that's all. Especially don't set him up with a crazy therapy scam. Yeah. But anyway, um, so he goes. He's going to need more therapy after Oh, yeah, a ton more. Sorry, keep going. I would never trust another person in my life. But anyway, he does. He's supposed to do 20 hours of group sessions. After this 20 hours, he gets in trouble again. Still not really his fault. He's trying to help uh, Chuck, who's in a fight, by taking a cane away from someone who's hitting him. But he accidentally hits this woman. And now he's in the, the big thing. He either goes to jail or he does this therapy. Um, and while doing this therapy, he learns to be angry. He learns to be what they want him to be. And this is very much how, like, being sent to prison over and over teaches people. I'm not saying that prison turns people to criminals necessarily, but it does, like, take away opportunities from people. And, like, as a felon, trying to get a job is extremely hard. And it makes people more likely to commit crime because it's not reformation. And that's what's happening. He's not being taught how to stop being angry. He's Mm -hmm. being taught how to do more of the stuff that's supposedly getting him in trouble. And prison re-traumatizes people. Like that, the whole system re-traumatizes people or or traumatizes them in the first place. And trauma fucks with your brain. And it, it, if it specifically impacts the part of your brain that deals with decision-making mm-hmm. and impulse control. And decision-making and impulse control, if those two things are damaged and you're set up in a system where it's harder for you to get a job or maybe your addiction wasn't treated or whatever... What's going to happen? Yeah. And abolish the prison system. Definitely. The the thing, too, about this is there's a few things of note in this. Um, they make a very kind of lame uh, prison rape joke, I guess. It's what's oh, supposed to be. Yeah. It's actually just a threat from the therapist to, it is a threat. to Buddy or to Dave. It's gross. Um, yeah. That. And which which kind of, you know, put off a little light in my head that this could be about prison stuff. But also... They have Rudy Giuliani in this movie. He says the line of the townie, but interestingly enough... The townie is Rob Schneider's recurring character in a lot of these movies where he says, you can do it. Um, And then someone who sees that Rudy Giuliani says, they say, who's that? And they said, I think it's Bill Clinton. (laughs) That, okay, this might be a little bit too tangential, but what I remember Bill Clinton for is the 1994... uh, Crime bill he passed. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. It's like the it's called the 1994 crime bill, yeah. isn't it? Um, which is when Giuliani was in office and he did that comp stat bullshit, which is way too long a thing for me to explain to people. Basically, comp stat is a lot of the reason why cops are really bad um, instead of just very bad. They're always pretty bad. Um, That's about like arrest rates and stuff, yes. right? It. it it the stop and frisk era of New York City came due to Compstat, basically. 
I I don't want to recommend a reply all episode. Yeah. But I'm going to recommend the reply episode, the reply all episode where they talk about it because it's actually very well done and and really digs into it. It's like the best episode. It's called The Crime Machine. There's a part one and two and it's actually very good. I hate to say it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, if you want to know more about it, it's good journalism. Damn it. (laughs) I'll never forget what they did to my boy. Scaredy Matt. (laughs) But anyway, to make a reference that this person is Bill Gates when you're in New York City. Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton, sorry. When you're in New York City. the These people who are in this film, especially uh, Ab Sandler, could not have missed, even as a rich white man, what was going on in SNL with these people they knew in 1994. He lived in New York City in 1994. And yeah. while in 2003, Giuliani was looked upon pretty favorably because, you know, he was there for 9-11. He was America's mayor. Yeah. Like, oofa doofa, but uh, you know, so many things are just terrible looking back, <laughs> like this movie. Yeah, you don't you don't fuck up who Rudy Giuliani is in New York City, probably. No. Um, and I mean, is is that a subtle reference to the fact that they're making fun of the crime bill and this whole thing's about the the prison system? Except for the fantastical final scene because they had to sell it as a rom com. I'm not super sure, but there's a little bit to be said there. Um. There's this weird, they constantly are showing him being angry next to this sign for the army, which is strange. Yeah. So let's actually, because you mentioned Rudy Giuliani and the thing that Rudy Giuliani is most known for is, you know, being the mayor of New York City when, like, during 9-11. Well, now he's known for being a bootlicker, but. He was always a bootlicker, eh? Um, And now he's known for being crazy. Yeah, but now he's known for it. He's completely illogical and lies on TV for Donald Trump. He, he lied so much, Trump had to kick him out. That's that's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. But this movie actually references 9-11 a lot. Mm-hmm. Because on the plane, the flight attendant says something like, Sir, we're, this is a very sensitive time for our country. And there's a flight marshal on the airplane. Like, airplane stuff is incredibly sensitive during that time i mean it's really fresh in the memory of of everyone especially in new york city people live in new york city and they mention that also in the court too but what it doesn't make sense that this is a critique of okay i'm gonna i'm gonna slow down here we don't really remember this time very well like Mm -hmm. i i do remember seeing stuff on the news and everything. I, I have a very vivid memory of, of watching the first moments where they dropped bombs in Iraq in 2003 on March 20th. So I this movie, I don't think, is a criticism of the war in Iraq. But it, I, it certainly is a criticism, I think, or maybe not, of the lead up to the war. Like all this non- this jingoistic nonsense, this very heavily nationalistic, warlike, hawkish United States um, that happened post 9-11 because of Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and all the those people who should be in jail. And then you have this sign, this billboard for the army. The poster, or the billboard, looks fake. It is... It is fake. I'm almost saying. It is added in. Mm-hmm. It looks unreal. And the poster says, every generation has its heroes. This one is no different. An army of one. So we have this propaganda here, and it actually uses the U.S. Army logo, which means that the U.S. Army had to approve it. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to use the U.S. Army logo in a movie, which means that this was 
a kind of product placement. I actually know um, this movie was sent to Iraq on its premiere, a bunch of DVDs of it, with a special five-minute opening from Adam Sandler. Which makes me think that this movie is, like, I know I said earlier it might have been, like, a criticism of it, but it could also be about how America shouldn't have implosive anger and should be more warlike and shouldn't put up with stuff and 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 should, you know, attack first or, or attack when it's been hit. And we have that, like, with Rudy Giuliani, like, one of the most hawkish guys out there. And the fact that, the fact that you can't Google Iraq War anger management and find anything about this movie easily because it's all about how soldiers have to go through anger management because of their PTSD is very telling. The thing that's wild to me, though, is so in order to use advertisement by a military, they get a final say. And if the cut's OK, they show a violent person who's dealt with PTSD in this. Um, I know mm-hmm. there's a deleted scene that says that uh, John Turturro's character was in Granada and they make a joke about how that only lasted 12 hours. But that's like almost worse because he has lifelong issues, not from going mm-hmm. to war, but from 12 hours. He'll yeah. like always have to deal with his anger management and the fact that he like, you know, freaks out when he, I guess he saw a gun. That's perfectly reasonable reason to freak out. That's not bad at all. Um, I would also run. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But, like. It's such a strange, bad idea. And I know the army's really dumb, but like, man, this movie sucks if it's an army ad. <laughs> well, that that's why it's so freaking wild. But here's a fun fact for you. The premiere of this movie was canceled due to the invasion in Iraq. Yeah. And the second fun fact is people say that the reason this movie was so successful was because people were going to the movies, to comedies specifically, to escape the news. Strange. I mean, to be fair, if you came out with Black Widow next weekend, it would be the biggest movie of all time. Everyone would go. Oh, yeah, of course. I would... It's escapism. Yeah. And I think that's probably, honestly, I think that's the only reason this movie didn't absolutely bomb because this movie sucks. I remember people liking this movie and they were wrong to do so because this no, movie No, I liked sucks. this movie when I watched it, yeah. Well, because it, I think it was where America was at that time, though. Like, well, I was also 11, and I liked Master of Disguise. So. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to go into your taste as a child, but... No. Because... I only stand by I stand by a couple of movies that I liked when I was a kid, and these two are not it, so... <laughs> when I was seven, I saw The Matrix that summer. I saw it six more times, and it has been my favorite movie ever since, because I am a perfect person. And that was me with Shrek, so... <laughs> I'm only slightly kidding. I fucking love Shrek. You guys don't understand. Like, it is not an ironic thing for me. I like the movie. Shrek is my Keanu Reeves for you. <laughs> There's also something along the lines that I'm interested in. The fact that, like, so they have John McEnroe do a bit part in the movie, which is mm-hmm. fine. He's notorious for, quote, quote, being angry. He smashed a tennis racket or two when he played bad. Who cares? But... Jack Nicholson did smash a man's car with a golf club in a bout of rage, which is like... Like in real life? Yes. Like, Jack Nicholson has anchor issues, apparently. Like, <laughs> you're gonna No, again, play it this movie is now? like glorifying anger. It's glorifying violent anger. Yeah, and like, I don't know anything about Jack Nicholson, but like, 
He sucked in this movie, right? He all right. Oh, I hated like, him. Yeah, I I remember like him. I think in a movie, I can't remember what movie it is, but like, man, he sucked in this movie. It, he, I know a lot of people don't like my opinions on this, but uh, other than in the post, Meryl Streep always annoys me in movies because <laughs> I can tell how hard she's acting, and it just takes me out of the film. Um, and th- that's all he was doing. He's just like smiling crazy and looking at him. Oh, he was fine in uh, The Departed. Even there, he was the worst actor. Well, that movie's also about anger <sighs> and cops. Yeah, he's a cop in that movie, too. Fucking piece of shit. <laughs> he was more of a cop than Leo was. I love you, Leo. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think they wanted to promote violence and, like, Yeah, they armies. did. Um, and I think they did such a bad job of it because it comes out so false because it's obviously untrue. I think if you release yeah. this movie now, it would just, everyone would fucking hate it. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't work. Especially because it, it's about white male rage. Yeah. And I mean, like, to be fair, that's what Fight Club's about. And Fight Club yeah, is a it good is. movie. That said. But it's it's not glorifying white male rage. Unless, I'd say, unless you're dumb and you think it does. Because a lot of people thought that. And I had plenty of friends in high school who wanted to have an underground boxing club because it was cool. And that is cool, but not because of the movie, you idiots. It's only cool if you use your underground fighting club to destroy the banking system. Also to get real good at throwing punches sometimes. It's, you know, it's, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the underground boxing club. Just like don't, don't, don't do it as a fight club cosplay. Yeah. Ugh. People, people like the wrong part of that movie. Whatever. But yeah, no, this movie sucked, man. There is one thing I wanted to mention, too, about Melissa Tomei and Alan Covert's characters. Mm -hmm. Um, The person that Adam Sandler should be mad at in this movie is not Alan Covert. Yes. It's his girlfriend who is letting this person flirt with her all the time and hit on her Mm -hmm. and is not standing up for herself or is actively, like, letting this happen. Like, obviously, there are things that can prevent a woman, like socialization can prevent a woman from saying no to a man. That is that is a, an experience that I've had. It can be very difficult and scary to do that and to stand up for yourself. But I don't get the feeling that that is the case in this movie. Yeah, they, they don't work together. Um, no. They're not. I, they, they went to the same college and they said like it, mm-hmm. they dated 15 years ago. Like this guy has been hanging around basically being a creep for 15 years. Um, and while like sometimes it might be hard to see that, like it's still something she needs to see eventually. Okay, and the second thing, um, watching this movie back made me so mad because it reminded me of my relationship with my ex and the kind of person my ex was. In that I could see him watching this movie. And liking it and thinking that the message was good. And he also thought a public proposal was a very good thing. Yeah. And it just made me, like, I was so mad watching this. It is, there, there's people who, like, just gaslight super hard. Which is what happens to Adam Sandler throughout the whole oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Damn, this is huge on gaslighting. That's the whole movie, really. But, like, God, is this abuse like, Marissa Tomei is a villain in this movie, and Buddy Rydell should be in jail for his, like, super bad therapy. Yeah, but he has connections to the cops and to the Yankees and to the court, so. Movie's real bad. Everything's bad about it. Um, Let's let's end it, right? 
Yeah. Movie sucked. I think we're done here. Don't watch anger management. Yeah. I mean, there again, there were moments that I remember liking as a kid, and there were moments that I found genuinely funny. Yeah. No. Not really. I'm not going to watch this movie again. No, I'm out on this one, man. This one sucked. Also, do you want to watch all 100 episodes of Anger Management, the TV show? No. Which? I, I don't want to ever watch anything with Charlie Sheen in it. Wild Thing is a good movie. Also, Hot Shots Part Deuce, which is just an airplane movie, basically. Did you say, sorry, Part Deuce. What? Okay. That's what, it's it's a joke. It, there, I don't think there's a Part 1. I don't know, I saw them both on TBS as a kid. That said, for some reason, there's 10 episodes in Season 1. Guess how many episodes are in Season 2, according to Wikipedia of this show? <laughs> 10? Oh, so, so 10 in Season 1. Yep. I'm going to say 35 in Season 90? 90? Okay. That can't be right. No, it seems like that's a mistake. Yeah, probably. But <laughs> Unless all of the bad things in this world are multiplying, like, even historically. Yeah, that would be sick. <laughs> um, I'd be about that. What are we watching tomorrow? Or what did we already watch? We're watching Dickie Roberts. It stars David Spade, back from his Joe Dirt days. Do you think it's going to be good? I would assume this movie would be really bad going into it. Just absolute dog shit. <laughs> this is a... Uh, <laughs> This is the the Bucky Larson. I don't actually know the, that movie. This is a Deuce Bigelow in my mind. Those are all the same movie. Going into it, I have very low expectations. It's also called uh, Dickie Roberts' Former Childhood Star, which, I don't know. I think the subtitle is showing like, hey, we need you to, to get hooked on this one idea real hard. Not a uh, show of good faith. No. But I like, I like David Spade decent enough. So. I do. I do, too. One of my favorite movies has David Spade. Black Sheep? Emperor's New Groove. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. Emperor's New Groove. Good one. Really good movie. I like a uh, Kronk guy. You can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. And you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. Moonpunk is now out in softcover and hardcover. It, it, it looks beautiful and everyone should own a copy. Um, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames. But as I've said before, you should instead donate to The Bail Project and support people fighting for racial justice and support the Black Lives Matter movement. For, for, for every separate donation of over $5 sent to my Twitter, I will watch an episode of Anger Management starring Charlie Sheen and give you a one-minute recap. Is that worth $5 to The Bail Project for you? I'm not telling them when they get it. I'll do it eventually. Well, you can find him <laughs> on Twitter at Kitty Crusade. Show him the receipts for your $5 donations to the Bail Project, and I will make sure that he sits down and watches Anger Management with Charlie Sheen. I won't re-watch episodes. I'm going to point that out. Once there's 100 if you I'm donate, good. If you donate $20, I'll make him re-watch an episode. <laughs> I'm going to be stuck there forever. Yeah, it's, it's your new hell. Oh, Welcome. Hey, guess what the first episode of anchor management's called winning take my wife please no it's not no Are it's you not <laughs> i didn't say my twitter and that's also my line you can follow me that Jaska. i had to sneak it in there otherwise you wouldn't get it 